Uh, We're reading this morning Hebrews chapter 12, verses 18 through 29. For you have not come to a mountain that can be touched and to a blazing fire and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind and to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words which was such that those who heard begged that no further word be spoken to them. For they couldn't bear what was being commanded. If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was what, hap- was what appeared that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to myriads of angels, to the festal gathering and assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks better than the blood of Abel. See to it that you don't refuse him who is speaking. For if those who didn't escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. And his voice shook the earth then, but now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. Now this expression, yet once more, indicates the removing of those things which can be shaken, as of created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let's show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So far this summer, we've been in a series called God Is. And over the last six weeks, we've learned a lot of things about God. We've learned that God is holy. We have learned that God is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. We have learned that God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. Last week we learned that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Today we learn our God is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. I must tell you the truth. I've been thinking on this one sentence all week long. Our God is a consuming fire. I have read lots of commentary saying, someone explain to me what this idea means. Because on first examination, it feels a little harsh. I read one commentator who said, and he I laugh because I'm like, I'm trying to do the same thing this guy's doing. This one guy said, this means that God is not to be trifled with, which is a very polite way of saying things. He was a Brit, so it's okay. Our God's a consuming fire. For some reason, my like creative energy, I had no picture for what this meant. And finally, something clicked in my mind. I thought of a long time ago, when I was 14 years old, 
um, I met Jesus Christ. And I, at church one day, came down an altar, bowed my knee at, at, a, at the stage, and I shared that I had believed in Jesus. And there was a lady at the church there, and she saw me come forward, and she goes, well, if you're a Christian, you got to start serving now. So I started serving in Awana right then. So I'm like, I'm like a four-day-old Christian, and I'm serving in Awana. And I wanted to be helpful, so they said, we need someone to help go out in the vans and be a van captain. So I was the driver. Instead, the driver picked up all these kids on the van, and I'd sit with the kids to keep them all safe and keep them buckled in, and like, we'd sing songs and play games. I'd keep the van from going crazy from the, you know, from the neighborhoods back to the church. Now, this church, now we got a pretty ghetto van out front, but this church had an even more so ghetto van. Um, like one window, the side, the side door, that slide door, the window was broken. And someone had really uh, expertly put layers of like uh, this thick visqueen plastic over it to keep out, you know, the elements. This thing drove rough, was loud. It was, it was, it was not a good van. Well, one day we're driving this van. And I'm in the very back bench, a 15-passenger van. And I'm with the kids singing. There's these, the kids are between ages of like kindergarten up to like fourth grade are in this van. And all of a sudden, the, the van jerks wildly into, into a gas station and stops suddenly. So the kids are like, whoa. And I'm like, whoa, what's happening? And the driver yells something and jumps out of the vehicle. And at first of all, what's happening? I had to like find, what'd they say? And they said something along the lines of Ernesto, Get the kids. And I'm like, what? So they were, so I'm like, what's going on? So I, I stand up in the van and look, and I notice there's a black smoke filling the van from the front. Uh, the van's on fire. And so I come up the side, and not only was the side door full of plastic, there was no inside turn handle. So I can't get out the side. And there's probably 11 kids in the van and myself. Well, I get to the front. When you get closer to the front, you can see there's fire coming out from underneath the like um, the like the the dry, like the steering wheel and the, the the console. There's fire coming up from the console from the engine compartment. That's why the driver had to jump because the fire was licking their legs. They had to jump out because they were already engulfed. The only way out, out of the car is through the fire in the front. And there's a kid in the passenger seat, buckled in. And they are freaking because the fire's licking their shoes too. So I unbuckle him, grab him, jump out of the van. When I hit the ground, I realized we're in real bad trouble. I think it was oil, not gas. I'm not sure. I don't know things well. But when I hit the ground, there was a liquid all over the ground. And it was flammable because it was all on fire. So I land out of the van. I'm standing in fire. I got a kid in my arm, and I run because you don't stand in fire. Fire hurts very quickly. Fire, I mean, very, very quickly, fire lets you know you're in bad, you're in trouble. So I, I just run out of there. And I run, put the kid down in like a grassy knoll thing, a grassy uh, island. And I turn around and look, and I see the front of the engine on fire.
and the, like it's like the windows of the van, you can't see anything because it's just full of black smoke. And sp smoke is pouring out of the two front doors that are wide open. The gas station guy turned off all the pumps and he ran. And there's still 10 kids in that van. The only way to the van was through the lake of fire surrounding it. I won't go through all the details. The kids all got out safe, I'll say that. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of injuries, a lot of burning injuries. Um, when I got the last kid out of the fire, we were all on this grassy island, and we're all freaked out. We're all, like, we're all, we're all, like, we're all like burned up a little bit. It's scary. You're all, your adrenaline's pumping, and the kids are just, they're like, and they're just like, they're all just silence. Um, there's no ambulances, nothing's there yet. It's just us, 11 kids and me, and a, behind me, a van burning up. Like now, the, 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 the door is open. Um, when I went to the door to open it, and I grabbed the handle, it was already hot to the hand. I had to put my shirt and open it that way. When I opened that side door, smoke, just hot smoke billowed out. So the kids are in the grass, and they're quiet. And one little sweet little girl, she goes, she goes, uh, she goes, Mr. Nesto? I'm like, yeah. She's like, did we almost die? And I was like, no, no, we're fine. Everything's fine. And at that moment, the gas station, the, the, the gas tank blew. It's, it's uh, we've all seen movies, right? It's bigger than that. When those things go, it is, I saw fireworks on Friday. When fireworks go off, you feel it in your chest. You felt this thing in your bones. It was like, blah, 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 bloom, and it blew up. And I feel the heat just hit me in the back, the, like the, the shock wave. And the kids all shield their faces. And I'm, I turn to look, I'm like, oh, man, and you see the, the mini A-bomb going up into the sky. And I'm just staring because it's just so, like, it's like, oh, my gosh. And I look back to the kids. We're all just quiet, and that little girl is just like, you lied to us. And uh, they all start crying. Uh, but we were safe. We were safe. The fire trucks came. They put that thing out. I caused a lot of damage to the gas station. But when it was all done, that van was a husk. A metal, it was a metal husk of a frame. Weeks later, a fire guy, a fire, firefighter, came to the church and brought the, like, shrivel license plate and gave it to me. That's like a, a keepsake. I still have it at home. Couldn't find it this morning, but it's there in a box in the basement somewhere. So I thought of this. That van on fire, the, that once travel vehicle becoming this shriveled, like the tires melted to the ground. Like, not the... the, the all the seats were gone. All that was left was this frame. The fire consumed that thing completely. And here we're told, our God is a consuming fire. Our God, to quote a British man, is not to be trifled with. Our God is mighty. Our God is great. Our God can eat stuff up. The picture used by the biblical author 
is one of a primal force. Our God is this powerful. You ever seen fire do what it does? It is an uncontrollable thing. Our God is consuming fire. We go to the text, and this is what it says about our God who is a consuming fire. First, it says this. The first truth from this text is that God, the God who spoke from Sinai, is the God who speaks through Jesus, is the God who speaks from heaven. The same God who spoke from Sinai is the God who speaks through Jesus. He says this in verse 18, You have not come to a mountain that can be touched and to a blazing fire and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind and the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words which was such that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them. The author of Hebrews is referring to Exodus chapter 20 when the Ten Commandments were given by God to the nation of Israel. And Moses went up on the mountain. And as God spoke, those on the ground, all they could hear when God's voice thundered, they described it as like thundering, like a trumpet blast. Now, it doesn't sound like a trumpet. It's not like God speaks this like... It's not like... It's just... In the ancient world, what's the loudest thing a person has ever heard in their life? The sound of thunder, and a trumpet blasting. Those are the two loudest things you've ever heard in the world. So when you hear this voice from the mountain, what is it like? It's like thunder, dude. It's like a trumpet being, like, it's that mighty, it's that loud, and the people were afraid of that voice speaking. People always say things like, man, if I could have seen that, then I would believe. The nation sees that and they cower in fear. That God who speaks is mighty and powerful and I don't want any piece of that. They shy away from him. In the book of Hebrews that we're reading out of right now, the whole point of Hebrews is to say that what Christ brings to us is better than what was given to those in the past. So they had, the people in the past, they had the Ten Commandments. They had the law of God. But we have something better than Sinai. We have something better than Moses' law written on stone. We, it says, what do we have? It says this. We have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to the myriads of angels, to the festal gathering, and the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus. Again, he, he's leading you up to the conclusion, to the climax. We have Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. The Jews who loved God, they had the law of God, and that was a good thing. But we have something better than the law. The law was written on stone. You couldn't talk to those stone tablets. There was a law, there was a line in the sand that said, don't cross or you dead. 
We have more than law upon stone. We have the living Christ who died that we may live. My faith is not merely in a historical event. My faith is in someone who's alive right now. We have Jesus who died who died upon the cross, whose blood was shed, that our guilty blood would be forgiven. This is good news. This is the good news, the gospel. The God who spoke on that mountain is still speaking today. The God who spoke on Sinai is the God who speaks through Jesus. And because of this, because our God is a consuming fire, he says in verse 28, therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude. Our first, our first reaction, our first application from God being a consuming fire, because God is a consuming fire, we should be grateful. Because God is a consuming fire, we should be grateful. Grateful for what? Grateful that the Christ, in a way, Christ was burned up, and we weren't. I don't like being the hero of a story. I'll tell you the truth. When I landed outside that van in that fire and I got away from the van, I looked back and saw it. There was a moment like I don't want to go back in there. Like my, I was wearing sandals so my sandals were already melting. There's that fear. This is going, I'm going, if I go in there more than one time, these shoes are going to melt off. I'm going to burn I'm going to wreck my legs and my feet. How bad is it going to be? Now, it wasn't a long, but it was a moment of someone else will come. Someone else might do this. But the Lord is kind, and the Lord gives bravery even to cowards. And all those kids got out. Our God is a consuming fire. And the word teaches us that Jesus Christ, in a lot of ways, took that heat so that we aren't eaten by it. That should give us great gratitude in our lives. We should have, to quote some bumper sticker I saw one day, we should have an attitude of gratitude. You know what I'm saying? We should be thankful that the Christ died, that the wrath of God would not fall upon us. In our day and age, there's a lot of talk of um, entitlement. Have you heard this word before, feeling entitled? And someone once told me years ago that when it comes to approaching God, we should not come to God saying, God, you owe me. God, you owe me. I go to church. I give a tithe. I, I pray every day. So you owe me health. You owe me my dreams. You owe me happiness. If you come to God and say, you owe me, and then you don't get the thing you think you're owed, you're going to feel disappointed, right? You robbed me, God. I thought we had a deal. 
I'm, I, say nice, I say nice things about you, and you give me cool stuff. What's up with that? My buddy told me, Ernesto, the Lord already purchased your soul from hell. Be thankful for the life he's given you. Rich, poor, married, unmarried. And if you're content with the life God has given you, whenever God blesses, so if you think God owes you and he's nice to you, you think it's about time. But if you're, if you're already content with God's gifts, and he gives you something, you're like, oh, thank you, Lord, for your kindness. See the difference in mindset? We should not look around thinking God owes us. We should look around thinking, thank you for what you've given me, and then every single gift beyond that is an extra added blessing. Let us be grateful for the Lord. The text goes on. Verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape who turn away from him who warns from heaven. He says this. On the mountain, God warned Israel. God gave them the Ten Commandments. He gave them the law. And God said, listen, Israel, I'm going to marry you. I'll be your guy. You'll be my girl. He goes, I'll take care of you, but you be faithful to me. Don't be, don't be going with Dagon. Don't flirt with Baal. Me and you. And Israel's like, sounds great. And then soon as they leave Sinai, they're like, Baal, you so pretty. They, they, they very quickly began being unfaithful to the Lord. And God warns them over and over and over again. He warns them. And in the end, they never listen. And every single person around that mountain who was an adult, they never enter the promised land. So every adult who sees and hears, they, they see the cloud, they hear the voice, they all will die in the wilderness never entering God's promise. He warned them, they didn't listen, and the warning came true. Uh, raising kids, one thing uh, I read in a lot of parenting books was if you tell a kid you're going to punish them for something and they do it, you better carry through with the punishment. If you don't, they learn, you're all talk. You know what I'm saying? So one day, we had a, uh, early in the kids when they were young, we put presents underneath the tree. I told the kids, if you take a present and shake it, find out what the present is, I'll throw it in the fire and burn it up. Did I say, did I say, did I say that? I said it. And Angie, when the kids go to bed, Angie goes, Ernesto, you can't make these empty threats. I'm like, nothing empty about it. That box is going in the fire. It's going to burn up. And I don't want the kids going, oh, it's a thingy thing. Oh, yeah. Now, to be fair, they're old enough, so I can admit this. I never, they, they never knew this until this moment. I had a um, punishment box in the presence that was empty, so I could burn one and no one knew. So I had my bluff box there under the tree. Hey. <laughs> now you know my secret, Lena. 
But, um, um, but I learned early, if you say, here's the line, the kid breaks, you've got to hold the punishment. God tells Israel, if you're unfaithful, you're not coming with me. They're unfaithful, and guess what? They don't come in. Well, the God who warns Israel also warns us. He does. Jesus came and said as clear as day, over and over again, Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Turn away from your sin. God is coming. And good, like it or not, Jesus spoke more about hell than anyone else in the New Testament. More than Paul, more than Peter, most of our understanding of the doctrine of hell comes from the mouth of Jesus. And he says, if you rebel against my Father, there will be judgment. There will be judgment. We get warned. Just like God warned Israel, God warns us and he tells us, if you rebel against the throne, he's a consuming fire. God will not be mocked. He is a consuming fire. Don't play. Don't play. Now because God's a consuming fire, and because we have been warned, listen to him. Listen to him. Listen to what he says. He says, see to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. ESV says, see to it that you listen to him who is speaking. If our God's a consuming fire, if our God can eat stuff up, and he can, listen to him. The same God that the Israelites cowered from on the mountain is the God we serve. I think in our understanding of God, how do you say it? Is God loving? Yes, he is. Is God kind? Yes, he is. But dare we not forget that our God is mighty, that our God is strong. Um, at our house one day, I heard, uh, being a parent, I'm doing a lot of parenting stories today, I don't know why. Angie has told me more than once, she's like, if I'm dealing with the, if I'm dealing with the kid and they're obeying me, you've got to stay away, let me be the parent. If you come in every time, they'll, you, you, I'm undercutting her authority, right? Like they don't, they have to think, well, mom can't fight us, only dad can. So I've got to let her fight the kids sometimes. Um, so one day I hear her dealing with the kids, and they're not obeying. Um, they are like uh, being disobedient, disrespectful, right? Um, it's time for dinner. Kids, time for dinner. And they don't give a rip type of dinner. They're wrestling, giggling, and I keep, mom comes in, God, guys, no more wrestling, let's go get ready for dinner. Third time, she comes in, da, 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 and they're just not listening, and she goes, if you don't come to the dinner table right now, you're going to bed with no meal. And one of the kids just goes, I don't care. Sass to the max. Now, I was, I was like cool not being in the fight. When I heard that line, um, my, uh, my inactivity came to an end. I just poked my head and listened. I have a voice on me. I, I have a lot. 
I can bark. I just go, hey! And do both kids sit up right away. They're fighting on the ground. They're like, froop! And I'm like, if you guys don't obey your mother, so help me! And I, dude, I, dude it, it was, dude, the, the, the dog was like, what's happening? I'm so sorry. Like, the, the whole house stops. And the kids get up and they obey the mother, you know. Um, in that moment, they remembered, oh yeah, our father who's so silly and goofy, He's, he's still this big, scary monster that he wants to be, okay? Our God's a consuming fire. He cannot be mocked. We shouldn't treat him like he's a little, tiny, stuffed animal in the corner who can do nothing to protect himself. If he speaks, listen to him. Listen to him. Because our God's a consuming fire, listen to his voice. When he tells you something, obey him. And lastly, the text says this. Verse 26, and his voice shook the earth then. But now he has promised, saying, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. Now, this expression, yet once more, indicates the removing of those things which can be shaken, the created things, that those which cannot be shaken may remain. So, when God spoke to Israel on Mount Sinai, as his voice thundered the mountain, the earth shook. That's scary stuff, dude. I've, I've never seen an earthquake, never been near an earthquake. That would be, be freaky. Back then, you're shook, and, he, and the author says, here, man, he shook the earth back then, but one day, he's going to shake the universe. The God who shook the earth will shake the universe. He says, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That's a scary thought. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. It's like saying whatever is not tied down is getting blown away. We had that tent outside, you know. One day, we're having a Bible study meeting from the guys, and a big storm came through. And we didn't have, right now, if you go back there right now and try to move that tent, we have these, like, three-foot-long U-spikes in the ground holding that thing down. Well, back in the day, we had these little, like, Coleman little hooks in the ground. That's all we had. So, so it, the storm comes, and we're you know, having Bible study. I look across the street, and the tent at Claridgetown is starting to, starting to move on the ground. So me and five guys go out there, and in the storm, we grab the tent, and we hold, and the, when the storm hits in its fullness, we're getting soaked. The wind's going crazy, and like the things like we're, like, we're all there just like, ah! and it was It was epic and awesome. Really stupid, but really cool. Because that tent was not secured. And when the storm came, it was going to take that tent away. Uh, one day, Pastor Ricky and us, we had a, uh, a camp out. And we went out uh, camping with the boys. And a big storm came through. And we had a tent that was for cooking and stuff. And when the storm came through, when it was over, we went outside. And that tent was gone. <laughs> it wasn't staked down. And the wind just... It says here in the word that whatever can be shaken will be shaken. It says the created things. I'm going to go to 1 Peter. Listen to what gets shaken. Listen to how God's going to shake the earth someday. In 1 Peter, it says this. Or 2 Peter 3, 
Verse 10 says this, But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, in which the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and its works will be found out. Verse 12, look for the, look for, Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens burning will be destroyed and the elements will melt with intense heat. Listen, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. When Jesus returns, it's all falling down. But listen to what he says. Verse 28, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. So it says, everything that can be shaken is going to fall down. What is eternal? What cannot be shaken? The kingdom of God cannot be shaken. Which tells us, if I want to give my life to something that's eternal, what do I give my life to? I give my life to the kingdom of God. That's why he says at the end, let us, show, let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Because the kingdom cannot be shaken, we should offer God our acceptable service. The kingdom, when the world is shook and everything falls, the thing that does not fall is God's kingdom. So what should we give our lives to building? God's kingdom. What does it look like? We've had these things called dinner at Nesto's at my house for the last two months. We've had like meals at my house. We'll come over on the back deck and we eat food together. And for, la- like for most of them, we've done a little roundabout circle. We all share stories. And one question I asked was, like, how did you and Jesus start hanging out? How do you become friends? People share their stories. And the stories are so unique and different. Some people are like, my grandma prayed for me. Some are like a friend at school, a Sunday school teacher, a teacher at school, my best friend, my sister, my brother. A good friend told me. Sadly, in all the stories we were told, very few were about pastors. I was like, oh, shoot. <laughs> but it's just normal people who loved, who listened, who pointed, who told them about Jesus, changed the course of their lives. Listen, that is the work that cannot be shaken. Because our God is a consuming fire, we should serve. We should serve God, serve his people, serve to build his kingdom. Listen. Starting in September, we're doing a whole new thing here. Um, I don't want to be too prophetic, but this summer, God gave us a lot of influence in the neighborhoods around us. Behind us, these apartments that were once abandoned are being rebuilt. People start moving in there this fall. There's going to be dozens, maybe hundreds of families right across the fence from us. 
What does the Bible say? The, the fields are ripe for harvest. When we open up these doors on Wednesday to teenagers and to children, who knows what's going to come in our doors? How many kids will come? How many teens will come? Our church has grown over the last four or five months. We had to go to two services. Whoa. Some of you who are newer here, maybe you come, and you come, you, you come, you love meeting people, you enjoy hearing the word of God proclaimed, but you're not in the fight right now. Maybe it's time, you're like, I'm, I want to serve the Lord in some way. At both entrances, there's a pad of paper. If you want to serve this fall, on either Sundays or on Wednesdays, let us know. We need everything. We need help with kids. We need help with security. Here in the mornings, we need help with, with tech team needs help. We need help with babies once in a while. There's all kinds of places to get involved and serve. We need people willing to clean the building on Saturday afternoons. Because this building gets tore up every week. You've got to make it clean for you guys to come. We need someone <laughs> to pick up the donuts on Sunday. <laughs> I'm serious. Like, I'm like driving around getting donuts. It's just, I have a crazy morning. Someone got the donuts. I could just come here and like pray. Oh, oh, um, it'd be great. So there's a lot of things that are needed here. If you want to help in any way, just sign your name. Give us your cell phone. We'll text you this week and see where God's calling you to serve. The kingdom is the one thing that can't be pushed over. Let's invest our lives in it. Our God is a consuming fire. Thanks be to Jesus Christ. Because in Christ, we don't feel the flame. We don't feel the flame. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your word that is true. You are a consuming fire. And our acceptable reaction to your greatness and your might is to live a life full of gratitude at your kindness towards us. Our response should be one of obedience, listening to what you say, and our response should be a heart of service, which honestly is our acceptable form of worship to you. We love you, Lord, so much. In Christ's name, we ask all these things. Amen.